Welcome. Thank you for joining me on It's My Story to Tell, My Truth. I'm your host, Melanie Lewis, on this podcast, where I invite you to share your truth and experiences on being an overcomer in the midst of life's challenges and circumstances. Today, we will be talking about hope deferred, how one can see the moment of victory very near, only to see it pass right by. The thoughts begin to start clustering in our minds of how we didn't actually get that victory we saw coming. I don't know how you felt, but I felt like I would never obtain the victory over my situation, only to later learn that it was deferred to a greater time. I have Otha Brittnam Thompson and Eddie Tompkins as my guests today to share their story of hope deferred. When I heard your story, I thought, wow, this is a true example of hope deferred. I can only imagine how you felt in your process. Otha, could you tell me a little bit of how you felt growing up as a child in the Philippines? Hi. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Back in the Philippines, um, I guess just like the rest of uh, Black uh, Filipinos, half Black Filipinos, like I experienced a lot, <laughs> like um, discrimination, bullying, and then really found out about me, you know, being different um, through being teased, and like you know, really uh, people pointing out that I just I'm just different, you know. Um, and I always, I, I remember I often felt like I had to choose um, one identity over the other. Because I know that I am Black and Filipino, but then, um, you know, in the Philippines, they only see me as foreigner. Because I look like, you know, my hair, my skin mm-hmm. color is different and everything. And they thought I'm, I'm adopted and because I don't look like none of my family members so okay. I guess bottom I was so confused about my identity the whole uh, childhood um, even m- middle adulthood like I used I, I remember I used to um, thank- thankfully straighten my hair because the, I, I don't know but there's this funny saying in the Philippines about curly hair it's in Tagalog it's called basta kulot salot it means um, you're cursed. You're a bad luck. You're a witch because your hair is curly. Oh it wow! Means you're, 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 they call you bruja. So, <laughs> oh. Um, you're, it means you're a witch, and witches are bad, and they are hated. So, I had a love and hate relationship with my hair too. Okay. And then my skin color is the whitening products. I also. Uh, used them when I was in um, in high school because well like the rest of the Filipinas because colorism is also real and deep in the Philippines so it's not just a it's not a problem just to me like the black Filipinas like no the rest of Filipinas because lighter skin is so glorified in in the Philippines so if you're not um, if you're dark skin Filipina, um, it will be hard for you to get a job, to, to, to even um, apply for um, 
job at the mall because I remember my friend she's pure Filipina right but she's darker and she told me she was so mad at this lady the manager at the department store um she said that uh she won't hire me because I'm my theme I'm I'm dark like what what do you mean you're not you're not even that dark yeah but the, she said that I should uh use this whitening products like for six months and then I come back and apply it <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and, <laughs> but see that's the thing um it's not just um it's just not a problem um among black Filipinas it's also a problem for dark Filipinas mm-hmm. so you know bottom line I would I I, I I did all that because I just wanted to fit in and, you know, be like traditional Pinay. Because, like I said, the last thing I really wanted to do like, was not to stand out and, and be different, but just to fit in as much as possible. But it's hard. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it's hard. I, I can only imagine. I know our listeners are listening and I, I know a lot of them can relate because it is hard um, when, you know, either you've been told that you're different or you see yourself being different not that that's bad or anything but like you said you know the lady at the um mauler she wouldn't hire her your friend um when people show that it's different or make a big deal or a stigma about it it becomes a truth to that individual because i am the difference i am the one standing out so um as you were explaining to us how you felt um, growing up in the Philippines, what, you know, different ways that you felt different. Just give us also um, some of the, what, just give us some information about when you decided that, hey, I want to know more about who I am because it's got to be something different, um, you know. Um, so did you question that you were different? meaning I just look different or did you kind of feel like there's more to the story and I want more information yeah so I guess it's the um personal disconnect throughout childhood and like middle middle child uh, adulthood because um you know it, it was hard to um how can I say it? Like I wanted to be seen as a whole person and not just half of or like a quarter parts of me. Right? So like at uh, growing up and like um in the Philippines and here in America, like I always I not always, but I often felt like I had to choose one identity over the other. And it was like a difficult experience cuz I always, you know, I was always asked to explain my racial and ethnic backgrounds and it was challenging to articulate my experience in a way that was understood. But I mean, over time though, I guess I I come to fully um, embrace both my identities and I can say that, you know, throughout my journey, even though it's challenging, it helped me um, gain a clear perspectives on where I should fit into this world. Because I realized that, you know, as a mixed race person, I know that I have just as much right to embrace 100% of every culture and race I come from, just as much as everyone else from, you know, different race and culture who are not mixed. But 
the personal disconnect like i mentioned like throughout childhood and middle child uh, adulthood i i i mean don't get me wrong i was loved and embraced by my filipino family and they try their best not to make me feel i'm different but i always felt like something was missing inside and i was so curious about my father and my black roots i knew about my filipino roots but it, my, my black roots it still feels invalid because i don't know my father right so it was the cur- curiosity i guess that made me wonder about the parts of my identity that i haven't uh that i never knew or i haven't explored yet i i mean i just wanted to um connect with that side of me and learn about the culture and the family that I never knew. It, it was like um, searching for a deeper understanding of who I am. Okay, that's that's real. And um, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so with, with saying all of that, where were you when you discovered that you belonged to another family? Uh, um here <laughs> um, okay so it started so I took an ethnic class this summer um, and that class uh, I didn't want to take because um, when I saw the syllabus and like one of the concept questions there that like uh, um, it says like what do you identify with and I don't like that question because that oh my god here we go what do you identify I because I identify as both black and filipino Mm -hmm. but you know sometimes it's hard it's that is not the answer that people want to hear because you can either be one either or like you you can either be filipino or black and if you say you're both then that makes that makes people uncomfortable because it doesn't make sense like you don't look like you're filipino you don't look like you're fully black you don't like there's always this stereotypes of what people should look like right so that's why i i i i picked that class but that class actually made me um i fell in love with that class because i learned so much about black history like you know the struggles of my people here in america and there's so many things that i thought that i knew because i thought i had I received the best education from the Philippines and here, but turned out, no, I did not know everything. I felt so ignorant. So, you know, that part, I learned, you know, my people's oppression here in America. And um, so there's this uh, class project, our final project actually, where you will talk about your heritage mix your heritage so if you're mixed then you would want to talk about the parts of you like if you're um filipino then you talk about your filipino heritage if if you're filipino and black or filipino and white then you talk about both parts basically so me and my classmates um we talked about um buying this 50% off dna kit from ancestry.com like that um one said like oh it's a 50% off like we're only paying $50 it's not gonna hurt it's only $50 so no we can talk about our heritage background our, our, our mixed background if you know whatever and then I said hmm I don't know but um at the time I remember I was writing this family history paper 
which is my 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 first draft. So you're gonna talk about your father. Yeah, I mean your your um your parents, like where you come from, Philippines or here in America. And I was talk, uh, I was writing about my father, and I'm like, wait, this is it's not sitting right again. <laughs> it's not um it's not it's unsettling because it, I I feel like while I was writing it, I know that it's not true because. Um, back in 2009, we took a DNA test and it came back a zero percent probability that he is my father. So writing a, that history, that family history paper about my father felt like unreal. You know, it's, I felt like um, a fraud writing about the family that I know I, I don't belong to. So... That and then um, that's the uh, actually the next uh, day. That's when I actually received the notification from DN from Ancestry.com, where I match with uh, my biological, my, my paternal grandmother and my paternal aunt. And yeah, it it I mean, it started from there. Wow. Woo. So ancestry was the beginning of you learning more. Yeah, the ancestry, the ethnic class, and then the ancestry.com. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So in your own words, um, how is your relationship now with your biological father? Mm, it's really, really I, I, I cannot explain. I cannot put it into words. But, but I, I told him though, I every every time we talk um like it just makes my heart happy like i i don't know how to explain it but it's it's like waking up to this most uh uh breathtaking sunrise after like a long long dark night like the fact that he's my family he's my father it gave me uh that sense of um peace happiness and fulfillment like I never felt before it's like, like like all the puzzle pieces of my life have finally clicked into place and and created this beautiful picture awesome. like in, in, in a short time and it's only 60 days to be exact like I I felt showered with so much love because my family all of you well awesome. not only make me feel embraced and loved unconditionally but you know the family also gave me so much sense of purpose like a deeper sense of purpose and courage to confront my fears like it, it feels like I have an army wow. like my family from both sides like is ready to fight for me with me that's what it feels like that's awesome that is wonderful other we have your um, dad joining us. Um, and Eddie, I'd like for you to interject. Um, how did you find out that you had a daughter? Um, how I found out uh, that I had a daughter was um, I got a text, an urgent text from my sister, <clears throat> Cheryl. And uh, she says, call me urgently. So I knew it was serious. Uh, so um, I called her and I said, uh, what's going on? She says, did you spend time in the Philippines in the 80s? I'm like, yeah, why? 
She says, I've been contacted by uh, a young lady on Ancestry.com who's a very close kin, and uh, she's related to me, she's related to mom, and um, you might have a daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, and uh, so I'm like, okay, um, I said, then I said, how old is she? She said she's 40, she just turned 40. And, uh, and then she said her birthday was June 14th, 1983. So, you know, um, I used both my fingers to count back <laughs> and, I, and I counted back to September. And I'm like, yep, that's, that, that's, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Now, the interesting thing about this whole thing was, um, uh, it was literally like a few days before I was going to get married. And, uh, so at first I'm thinking, wait a second. I mean, is this real? You know, is it real? I mean, uh, you know, it just, cause it's, it's, there's no way to describe a feeling like that. I mean, there's, there's just no way to describe uh, an overwhelming feeling mm-hmm. because, um, it's like my entire whole adult life. I've been searching for like a daughter and it's in it, people that know me, they all knew that, um, that's, why, you know, I always did want a daughter. Right. I, I have a son, obviously, who I love dearly. Um, but there's a part of me too, that was like, um, I wanted, um, a daughter as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, when I found out, she says, um, so what are you going to do with this information? And I said, well, I said, if I have a daughter, I said, I'm going to love her. I'm going to claim her. And, um, I will let her lead the type of relationship. I said, if it's up to me, I want a very close, continuing and loving relationship. That's what I would want, but I don't know what she wants. So I'll let her lead that relationship. And, but she can have any type of relationship with me she wants. So I didn't know if she wanted just to be a pen pal. I don't know if she just wanted to know who I was. You know, I, I didn't know. Right. But, um, I knew that I was going to be emotionally invested in it either way. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, uh, a week goes by and I didn't hear from my sister at all. In the meantime, my heart's racing like, hey, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? You know, because I, I don't know. And then uh, a week later, Cheryl calls me again. She, no, she texts me again. Your daughter wants to talk to you now. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's, it's, I mean, I didn't have a response in my playbook for this because it's just there's nothing to prepare you for this. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew I wanted, um, you know, resolution. And I knew I didn't want this thing to sit unresolved. And, and you know, I needed to find out. So we all arranged, when I say we all, me, my sister, and... Ulta, we uh, agreed to have a Zoom call um, right then and there. And uh, my heart was racing. Uh, you know, it was really racing because I was thinking, what does she look like? Is she, is she, what is she gonna, um, I mean, does she look like me? Does she, you know, just like all kind of questions, you know, what kind of, right. how do you respond? I mean, what do you say? You know, and uh, so, anyways, uh, I heard her voice first, you know, because her voice, I heard her voice before her picture her image uh, popped up on the zoom and uh and then i saw her and before that i never believed in love at first sight never never it didn't make sense to me how can you love somebody you never met doesn't make sense but as soon as i she popped up i started i fell in love with her immediately and i bonded with her instantly which is which was a pretty powerful app it's an experience that i didn't think could exist so anyways, when she says, hey, you met my mom in Angela City, 
uh, September 1982. I'm like, yeah, and you're my daughter. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> pretty much that's that's it, you know. And uh, so we talked for a long time. I remember uh, on the phone, on on, on the Zoom, and it, it you can't say it's a family reunion because it's some, it's so much more deeper, more powerful than that. <clears throat> I mean, literally, uh, she's 40. I'm 62. You know, so. Uh, you know, I remember uh, I, I mentioned to her that I was getting married in a couple of days and I didn't hear from her for about three days and I started having like anxiety set in like, you know, what, what's that, what's happening? You know, is it, is this all, you know, is it, you know, I felt like uh, uh, I needed uh, that continuing connection. And then um, when she, she sent me the most amazing video uh, about, you know, her talking to me um, like the day before I got married. And the reason why she didn't call was because she she knew I was getting married and she knew I had a lot of stuff to do, you know. But um, I just thought it was um, the most powerful thing ever. Um, and uh, I told my bride three days before I got married, I'm like, hey, um, I have a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and uh, she says, well, if you have a daughter, then um, I have a daughter. And, you know, and this is the thing, too, um, after talking with Ulta, you know, um, we started noticing uh, similarities, even though we weren't in each other's lives, you know, over the years, we found that we both are writers. We found that we both, you know, um, she was made, she majored in journalism or broadcasting in the, in, in the Philippines. And um, I've had some public, you know, public speaking experience, you know, on the air as my, you know, myself. So we have very similar uh, uh genetic or yeah it would have to be genetic uh, traits that were passed mm-hmm. you know even though um, I wasn't in her life at that time and uh, and one thing I really love about her spirit is this you know and we both agree that you know you can't look back but we can build you know an amazing future you know of, of cherished memories and things like that you know so um but yeah it's uh, it's yeah it's most incredible experience ever it's, hard, it's really hard to explain wow that that's phenomenal i mean just hearing the story from the two of you is just i'm like in awe <laughs> like wow like you like you were saying often you you took a class and you know you were with um your group as a team and you you know you guys decided to go on com and you know to get in more information so that you can be um efficient in your your studies as far as giving us more information as far as your you know background and things like that and you find out more than you bargain for it i mean you know yeah <laughs> That's what I'm like, Whoa, i better get you know i better pass this <laughs> not only with a hundred percent but with <laughs> with a lot of effort because this is changing my life and then, I but, think it was a divine intervention, though, yes. from my grandma. Yeah. But I, I wanted to say this, too, though, right? So it was quickly, you know, we both realized, you know, mind, body, and spirit that we were, you know, um, we were connected, you know, uh, father and daughter. We knew that even before the test. And um, so even though I knew she was my daughter and she knew I was her dad or her father, um, the test, when the DNA results came in, it was still very, very uh, just overwhelming. Even though I knew, you know, um, what they would be, it's still the fact that it made it uh, official. Right. You know, right. an official record. You know, no, 
no doubt no doubt you know yeah it just made it it was so powerful wow that's yeah I, i'm sorry um just wanted to add to because the consultants um from the ancestry.com the genealogists they were so convincing like they they were like really uh helpful too like you know they said that okay i know you're confused i know this is overwhelming it's a lot to take in but here's one thing i can assure you your paternal uh grandmother your paternal uh, aunt you are 100 biologically related wow so let's say your father your altered father um you know uh unless he has a twin brother or a brother then he is your biological he could be your biological father but if you are still doubtful like i don't i don't know because he had his test is not um in, on the database yet they they because they look him up he, his uh, test is still under process under process i think he ordered a dna t- dna kit that's the only thing that they found mm. there's no test result yet but they said that um uh my uh paternal grandma and my paternal aunt i am 100 sure that they are my family and that's the one thing that they could assure me oh wow and, yeah but I, I I I mean I never stopped believing though, like I said I I never stopped um, believing that I'm gonna find him one day. Like I always have this dream because you know like what the saying say like um, no secret can stay buried forever mm-hmm. because you see there's another uh, part of the story too where it was hidden from me like I, I was not. Uh, told that um, you know there's a possibility there's another th- there could be another father basically my mom told me that um, there's no way can be uh, true but here's the thing mom uh, it says here my maternal side it shows all of the Bautista here the Maranzala this is your maternal side so how can it uh, how can not uh, how can this be not accurate Because she said this that's not accurate that's that's a scam that's you know you, you don't don't you don't trust people like that on the internet like uh, no mom because um my aunt uh sherlyn she pops up there too and that's her first cousin and she also um in ancestry.com and her son and i matched i matched with them too they're like my fourth third cousin mm-hmm. so i told her like how can this be inaccurate then And yeah, it took her a while to tell me the truth, but uh, basically she said that, um, I'm sorry, like she, she asked, she asked for forgiveness, of course, and she said that um, she just didn't know what to tell me because she didn't even know his name, <laughs> she didn't even know him, and he probably did not even know her, that's, that's what she said, mm-hmm. so how can I tell you? about your father but I don't even know him so yeah wow well we know that God has many ways to show us that he is forever present and that he hears us Um, Eddie tell me a little bit about how you believe that God brought Otha in your life and how she has added to you and the family Well, like, like I said, it's a feeling of completeness, too, as well for me. You know, um, 
I remember, you know, walking, it's, and you know, Alton knows this too, um, for a short period of time, um, I think in the late 80s, we walked the same streets in the Philippines together. And I'm sure there's a couple of times where I might have walked past her or she may have walked past me, you know. And um, so God said, hey, this is not right. We need, this needs to be corrected. So he made a way, you know, for um, us to connect and in the, in the most beautiful way possible, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so it's been um, a blessing, you know, to me in many ways. You know, I always tell people I got married and had a baby girl the same week, you know. Um, <laughs> That's so, beautiful. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a truly a gift to me. Wow. Okay, I understand, Arthur, you wrote a song, and we are privileged to play it here first on our podcast. It's my story to tell my truth. Um, remember, you heard it here first. Mushrooms yeah. Quest. Yeah. So um, it's based. It's a poem that I wrote for him, and uh, it took me a week to even finish that because I didn't want to be. I didn't want it. You know, uh, sounds so heartbreaking because it's it was heartbreaking. You know, the longing, the heartbreak, and then, but there's also the healing part. And I just wanted to, you know, capture that, all of those in one poem. So it's just um, me trying to, uh, I guess, convey that I never stopped believing. You know, I never gave up on this dream in my heart that I will find my missing piece, my father. And... I told him I, I I have carried the thought of him in my heart since I was a little girl, and I, I and when I found him, I feel 100% validated. Like I said, I am, I my black and my Filipino roots are finally validated, and everything now makes sense. Like especially after seeing the family pictures of my grandma, like for the first time, oh my god, I look like someone. I'm not a mushroom. I have roots. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's the poem all I mean that's the poem uh is all about like finding my roots, my journey and yeah, finding my peace, my missing peace. Awesome. It brings me great pleasure to introduce the Mushroom Quest, written by Altha Brittenham Thompson. Remember, you heard it here first. The Mushroom Quest. to be home a little girl's dream tough 
melody silenced in my heart now once again sings a father's love a treasure trove it brings after years of yearning i found my path in your copy of that song yeah so um it's been copyrighted now so it's being remastered and uh so it's my hope that um it will um, um become available in at least in some kind of some type of platform for it because it, it is a very beautiful song um it's um the vocals are great but what's even more powerful than the vocals is the message um if you listen to every single word it has meaning uh, it has impact and compassion, and uh, from from the very first word to the very last word, it's so filled with emotion. And the fact that it's based on a true story, um, you know, about a daughter's love for her father, it's um, my favorite song. You know? right. So um, yeah, so my um, idea is that um, it be available for the whole world to hear, and that my daughter make a lot of money from it. So there you go. Awesome! Awesome! <laughs> okay. Well, I want to thank my songwriter. <laughs> you can't be writing songs like that, girl. You, that was good. <laughs> I want to thank my guests for coming on the podcast with me today and sharing their story with us. It was uplifting and encouraging to all of us. I was encouraged, and I thank God for allowing others to share their story in the earth to show others how we are not alone in this journey. Thank you again for joining me on It's My Story to Tell my truth as your host it was a great pleasure to spend time with you and my guests share their encouraging testimony until next time always remember hope is the measure of expanding the possibility for a greater outcome in any situation